Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm -hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was hatched when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 458, Turkey Dogging, and I am your co-host and the guy who is going to go do a little farming tomorrow. Very nice. I'm your co-host and the guy who has begun his plans. Which plans are you planning on doing? Man, I'm getting getting serious. I don't know why. The past week it's hit me hard. I'm I'm getting spring plans going. All right. Yes. So I've got the Excel document up, putting in dates, putting in where I'm going or planning to hopefully go and I know it's all going to be cranking up in late February, so I got that for sure down. <laughs> yeah, got those dates blocked off. For sure, yeah. And We're going to pretty... some flights on that here soon and get all, all that nailed down. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty easy one to block off, too. I don't have to worry about what other states are open because there's none. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes it pretty simple. But So what are you thinking as far as number of states for 2024? 
ideally including Texas on our raffle hunt that we're doing, which we'll talk about a little bit here in a second. But with that and my home state, that would be two. And I'm hoping to get probably six new states in addition to those. Man. I'm wanting to I'm I'm wanting to get going pretty good this year. So I'm wanting to I got kind of a block of states together in an area and I need to knock them out. So going there. And then I got some more difficult states that I've been trying to get. <laughs> the state of Arkansas still eludes me. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't mind naming that state. Y'all, y'all have at it, man. It's great. But <laughs> yeah, I will hopefully make it over there for. I will say I haven't given it full out effort. You know, I usually go there for one day, sometimes two days in a spring. I'll drive over across state lines and go try it out over there. So I haven't exactly given it, you know, a really big effort, but. I just keep hoping one of those little one-day jaunts will result in success, and that'll check that one off for me. Yeah. So I guess since you and I went, gosh, what was that, five years ago? Yeah, it was a while back. I was still – I was out of college. Yeah, it was probably five years ago, though. That was a long time ago. That's probably the most time you've spent over there. Yeah, and that was only two two days. days. Yeah. Well, yeah, like and the that. third day it was raining. We didn't even hardly hunt. Yeah. The and you missed. So allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, my brain could be missing some details from five years ago for sure, but yeah, for some reason that sticks out to me. That and that and the two guys that were walking directly away from the <laughs> gobbling turkey that <laughs> said they didn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> i'll never forget that we're like creeping in on the turkeys gobbling his head off like late morning and those two dudes are walking the trail from where the turkey is towards us and we're like what are they doing turkey hunting obviously and we're like so y'all hear anything they're like no i hadn't heard anything we're like huh okay well we're gonna go this way and they're like yeah we're headed out and we're like okay good luck <laughs> You <laughs> might want to get a hearing test because <laughs> uh-huh. y'all are leaving him and he's right back there yeah he he we heard that turkey gobble literally from a mile away yeah and they were i mean they couldn't have been but a couple hundred yards from him at one point i mean they were they were right in there on him yeah where that trail went by i mean that was not far not at all that was wild yeah i don't know but didn't work out anyway, so maybe they knew something we didn't. He was bulletproof, apparently. So yeah, they probably already missed him. That probably happened. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. What are you farming for this weekend? Well, I know most people in the U.S. are gonna raise an eyebrow with this, but I've got to get my food plots planted. So well. There haven't been any rain, so it doesn't matter if you planted them in July. <laughs> they haven't done anything. Well, if I'd planted them in July, they would have gotten water here in Alabama, but the heat would have done them in. But yeah, yeah. since I disked the fields up, gosh, four weeks ago, I think it sprinkled one day and I was out of the country. So 
yeah, I mean, there's been hardly any rain. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just got mine in, I don't know, a week and a half ago, two yeah. weekends ago. So, yeah. you know, and my seeds hadn't popped or anything yet. I went out and looked there. They're still just sitting there because, I mean, suppose, we are supposed to get rain this weekend, though. So, I assume that's what you're trying to get it out in front of. That's right. Yeah. Nice. So, I'm going to take a little time off of work tomorrow afternoon and go just disc them up again because it did sprinkle for a little bit one day after I disc them one time. So I'll just run the disc over them again very quickly and then get some seed out, drag them, and head to the hizzy. Excellent. Excellent. Hopefully you get some good growth going, feed on some turkeys and deer through the winter. Yeah. And hopefully next spring have a little strut zone action going. That would be nice. Well, Speaking of strut zone action, you teased everybody about this raffle hunt. Yeah, we'll tell you all about that again this week. If you didn't listen to our two-part episode with R.T. Stewart, I highly recommend going back and listening to those episodes. They're pretty cool. The man who hunted men. But we've talked about the past two weeks. We'll bring it up again. We are doing a raffle for a late February Texas Rio Grand Turkey Hunt. Two winners will be drawn, so you have two chances. And each person on this hunt, myself, Andy, and the two lucky winners, will get to kill two mature Rio Grande gobblers. This is with El Mapache Blanco Outfitters. Hey, you got it. Oh, yeah, I learned. I learned. South, South Texas. We're going to be down almost in Mexico, and you're going to get to crank up, start hunting before South Florida comes in, before Hawaii comes in, even before the youth get to hunt in South Florida. So we hope you will join us on that hunt. It's going to be February 20th is the day we fly in, and we fly back out the afternoon of the 23rd. You have two and a half days of hunting. We're going to be having an awesome time in camp. Looks like a really cool place the camp does. We'll have some good food, good stories, good laughs, and hopefully plenty of feathered gobblers hanging up in camp after each day. So if you want to participate in that, we are raffling tickets. We have packages. You can buy one for $10 or scale up and get a discount on a per ticket basis, which I would recommend. Right now, if you buy one of you know, 10, 20 plus tickets you have really good odds of drawing this hunt right now a lot better odds than most quota hunts in the country guaranteed so do that proceeds assuming we're profitable on this will be given to nwtf and turkeys for tomorrow we're going to send it some to both assuming y'all are diligent and buy some tickets and we make a profit we will do that and you can do that by going to the URL that will be in the show notes on whatever podcast app you're using to hear us. Or you can look on my social media, Cameron Weddington on Instagram. The link is in my bio. You can find it there. And Andy, do you want to give the URL in case someone wants to just manually type it in rather than go to the show notes? For those who are... Old school like myself, you're going to go to tinyurl.com slash 55heeu99. That's 55heeu99. 
1-800-889-9899. And that will get you there. Sweet. Buy tickets. Buy early. Buy often. When you get your next paycheck, buy some more. And so on and so forth. And we cannot wait to see you and another hunter in camp for Texas Rio Grande turkey hunt late February. We are not far away from that hunt. We are only 105 days and nine hours away from turkey hunting if you get to come with us. Wow, three and a half months. Man, that'll be here in a hurry. If you're in the Northeast, you're looking at closer to like 200 days. So if you want to come early, come on, put in, come hunt with us. Worst case scenario, you send a few bucks to two great turkey organizations. That's a pretty good worst case scenario. Yeah. So do that. And this week we've got a show that I haven't even heard about turkey yeah. dogging with JT Byrne. Yep. So the 800 pound gorilla in the room is that Cameron is not on the interview. So yes. he had a little. Wasn't able to make it. Yeah. Had a little family thing going on and wasn't able to make it. And instead, I got JT Byrne all to myself that night and. We talk turkey, we talk turkey dogging, and for those of you not familiar with JT, his dad really pioneered the Appalachian turkey dog. And it's not, you know, I, I guess it is a breed, but it's not really a a breed as far as the registers go. But they put together, or I should say JT's dad put together just by crossbreeding some different breeds of bird dogs, a bird that will bust a flock of turkeys, start barking at that point to let the hunter know where they are. And then the fun begins of calling those turkeys back into that spot. And the dogs basically sit motionless. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's going on. It's cool cool stuff and so we're going to talk about that this evening and well you guys can listen to me kind of stammer around about it or we can <laughs> listen to the expert talk about it what do you think let's go talk to jt i'm excited to hear it for the first time all right we'll see you guys on the other side hey everybody i am glad to tell you that i would say we have on the line but i have on the line with me tonight jt Byrne. And JT is, well, from the Byrne family, and I would say, you know, one of the pioneers of the family is one of the pioneers of turkey dogging and has been, that's been a tradition steeped in his family for years and years. And so glad to have JT on the phone with us this evening. And JT lives in Virginia and has already been out a little bit with the dogs. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but just talk about turkey dogging because it's been, goodness, JT, eight, seven, eight, eight. years, I think, since I've had you on the show. Right. It's good to be on the show with you again. Well, thank um, you. I appreciate that. And so I guess before we get too deep into this, so you've had a – in Virginia, you guys have a early season there. We we've got a three stage season now. Okay. In Virginia, we have two weeks and one that starts 
the third week of October and runs to the grand till Friday of this year. Okay. And then it goes out and then it, they have a two day season there around Thanksgiving. And then it comes back in in December and runs to for four weeks and then it goes out and then it comes back in in January. And I don't know the exact dates this year, but it's usually the last two weeks of January that we have a, winter season and okay december and uh january season are the seasons that i prefer to go out in because the weather's better for me and the dogs it's cooler and the dogs don't get hot and the turkeys have transitioned from their summer range chasing grasshoppers and doing and they're in the woods and where you need them to be and you don't have to worry about trying to flush them in the fields and not getting good setups and getting callbacks and everything and it's just it just works better for me i prefer to uh, everything is i farm for a living so everything's kind of calmed down i just have to feed the cows and then we can go hunting for a little bit so yeah yeah Uh, so i would imagine busting birds even with dogs out in the field is extremely difficult to get a good bust Oh, you don't. You don't. They yeah. see where everybody's going. They fly together, and then you're you're trying to go in and rebust them again, and but you don't get good setups and everything. And like I said, typically it's it's you know this year it was in the 80s here mm-hmm. in that part of the season. And um, I grew up hunting with my dad, and we would go to. He was a member of a hunt club over in Bath County, and we would go over there and. Back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and everything when we were doing that, they didn't start the season till November, which is right now. And then we went two weeks, and then you had a deer season for two weeks, and then the turkey season came back in for another month. But, well, actually, the, back then, the turkey season ran from the 1st of November to the first Saturday in January. I mean, it ran straight through the deer season, too. Wow. And back back in the seventies and eighties and the nineties, Virginia was killing sixteen to nineteen thousand birds a year in the fall. Yeah. And talking to the biologist here a couple of weeks ago, Virginia killed sixteen hundred fall turkeys last year. Mm-hmm. And just the, the people that they don't people don't hunt it as much as they used to. I remember we would go over to Bath County and the coal miners would always strike about no about the first of november and that way they would have they'd go hunting and and they'd come over from west virginia come over to virginia and everybody would be you know there would be much more hunting going on over there and uh they would go whatever they saw they had a tag for be it whether it be a deer or whether it be a turkey i mean the, yeah the two weeks of the deer season the turkeys would get shot too and then the last week of the deer season, they would open it up, and if you saw a bear, you could kill a bear, so you kill a three-way, three-way. But now, the hunting—it's people haven't—they've gone away from hunting. They don't—they don't do it as much, so you don't have the participation that you used to have in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. So, and that—that that was going to be my question for you—is you know how how much of that sixteen to nineteen thousand turkeys that were killed in the fall and winter were opportunistic kills just because people had license and they were out hunting deer, deer and other stuff. I yeah. would say 75, 75%. Okay. Yeah. I'd say 75% of it was that. But 
but it was yeah. called hunting season back then. And, you know, back then people were still coming off of living off the land and oh, yeah. they, they fed families with it. So, and today right. we're, we're not in that same predicament. Things have changed. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Grocery stores are awfully convenient these price. days. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's, that's interesting. But, uh, Anyhow, that's that's a little bit of some of it, but getting back, you know, you asked earlier uh, about the stages and all, and I still, we went a little bit the first week. The temperatures were a little bit cooler over there, so we went. We hunted three days, and we were in three different flocks of birds, and all three flocks were young turkey. One thing I try to do is when the dogs flush is if I can see the turkeys flying, um, I look at the tail fans, and that tells me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I see the long feathers on the, in the center and the short feathers on the side, then I know I've got a flock of young turkeys. And all three flocks, we were in young turkeys. Um, I took a nephew with me, and he he tried to connect, but he had a uh, a miss, and uh, it was a good miss. It was a learning miss for him. So yeah, um, it was a good time. Uh, the birds were very vocal. They did what birds were supposed to do. We were we were calling back within an hour and twenty minutes of the flush, and that bunch of birds we got into them about one o'clock, and we stayed in birds calling till six thirty. Nice. Uh, the old hen, she would come around there and she'd gather them up, and we'd turn the dogs loose and bust them up again. That was the the dogs were doing what I wanted them to do, and that was. That was the main thing. That was the yeah. whole thing. If somebody got a bird, that was great. But uh, it was exciting, and it was a good day in the woods. So. Yeah, man, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. That's yep. you know, getting out and and letting those dogs work is is you know that makes the day right there. And like you said, you know, if you're able to bring a turkey home as well, that's just icing on the cake. So that's it. Yep. Yeah, that is that is too cool. So I guess. Tell us a little bit about how you and your dad, or I guess really your dad first, came into turkey dogging and and you know he, raising he raising the a, dogs he like was, he did, he did. He was a big quail hunter back okay. in the in the day when we had quail, and back in the fifties, he had a pointer that would hold for quail. But when he went to the mountains and he would flush and bark at turkeys when he would, was in the mountains, when he'd find turkeys. And so dad got hooked up with a old gentleman named Andrew DeWitt here in the county. And Andrew was an avid turkey hunter and he would hunt them on foot and try to find them. And him and dad got to hunting together and they would take the dog and go. And um, so then he was trying to propagate that dog and, he wasn't very successful with finding another barking dog, and um, somebody gave him a plot hound, and she would bark on turkeys in the day, and she would tree coons at night. Yeah. And um, he bred a pointer to that plot hound, and not the pointer that he had that would bark at turkeys because that pointer had died, but he bred another pointer to that dog, to that plot hound hoping that it would carry over. And he got a blue tick looking dog and 
they they didn't do too good. I mean, in the early days, they just they didn't. But a bird dog trainer here in the county knew that Dad was always looking for a barking dog, and he had a setter male that would flashpoint quail and then run into them and bark, and he wouldn't hold point. And he got that male, and that male bred one of the half-pointer, half-plot pups that Dad had. Mm-hmm. And we, and that that happened in 74, and that's when we got Junior, the original dog. And um, there was 14 pups in that litter. Wow. And we gave, we gave them all away except for one. And I was 11 years old, I think. Yeah. And that's when that summer I was running around here on the farm and Junior was running around with me. And one day we were back on the river fishing and Junior took off up in the woods and I heard him go to bark and I looked up and there was a turkey flying across the river. I come home and told dad and dad got all excited and dad became, Junior became dad's dog (laughs) that day. And then there was a, Harry Holman was a bird dog trainer around Fredericksburg and he had a barking strain of setters and dad, he gave us a female and we bred that female to junior. And then we started line breeding the dogs from there. And that's where the heritage of our dogs came from. Okay. And we, we've outcrossed them once in all those years and uh, still have the breed still going. We had a litter last year about this time, and uh, people in New York and Pennsylvania have gotten pups from me. And one fella in Northern Virginia got a pup from me, and all three of them have called me and told me that their dogs were barking and chasing and doing great. So uh, they're doing what they're supposed to do. So That's awesome. I have all the faith that the rest of the dogs will do the same. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. So we've talked a little bit about how how you and your dad ended up getting into breeding these dogs that were mm-hmm. flush turkeys, but kind of walk, walk us through what a hunt looks like, okay. what that experience is like. Uh, a basic fall turkey hunt is just a leisurely walk through the woods, you know, mature forest or in an area where you know that there's going to be a flock of turkeys using. I mean, you don't have to know that they were there today or yesterday or the day before, but just have a general idea of where they're using it. And these dogs range on a cast. They'll range anywhere from 100 to 400 yards on a cast. Some of them go six, 700 yards, but most of them, uh, three to 400 yards is their normal cast. And then they come back and check on you unless they hit a scent. Now, if they hit a scent, they're going to take it to the end. And then they they just keep ranging back and forth, and you just keep walking in the direction you feel that the turkeys might be, and you cut across some scratching, and as it gets fresher or older, then you adjust your way of going. And the next thing you know, the dogs cut a scent, and you hear barking. And now with GPS, as soon as you hear barking, you just mark it, and you go there, and most of the time you go find fresh scratching, and depending on how far it is from where your location. Lots of times I'll be close enough that I can hear alarm putting, or I can hear wings flapping and know that the dogs are in the birds, but sometimes I'm not that close anymore. 
and I go a little bit slower than what I used to, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, gives the dogs time to work. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's just their bird dog doing everything backwards. They're yeah. they're a dyslexic bird dog is what they are. <laughs> and and I fit right in there with them because I suffer from <laughs> dyslexia myself. So, um, well, uh, I was going to say, I think I'd make a good turkey dog, Ben, because I called <laughs> some lady from, from Louisiana trying to get you on the phone just a little while ago. <laughs> and... Uh, switched a couple of numbers around in the area code so yeah oh, it's simple to do yeah it's simple to do so uh, but typically, not, they, they, then go ahead. then once the once the dog has done its thing and barked and sent the birds the the older the dogs get the more they will run a and cut a big circle and they'll pick up any strays that ran from them and flush them off and typically hour hour and a half Sometimes later on, these birds will take three and four hours. And then when you get into a flock of long beards, it'll take four to five hours before they come back. But they will come back. That's the, that's the one give me that they will do. So we we get in there and we build a blind and we get the dogs and put them in a bag. We've got a special bag that dogs go in. And uh, the only thing that's sticking out is their head. And they sit there and rub on their head and they'll go to sleep and calm down and start calling and then uh, see if we can't call one back into gun range. And uh, hopefully somebody will, somebody will connect and we'll get a bird. Dogs will get up and get to run and set back down. If we've got multiple shooters, we'll do it all over again. And yeah. sometimes the old hen will come in. And what's so nice is if I have an old dog in the blind with me, um, I can turn the dogs loose and they'll go out there and, bust the old hen out whatever brood she's got back together and we've got we've just hit replay again so we've got yeah. a new game um and if a if a like on long beards if they come back in and two of them get together and they don't want to come and commit and come on in i'll just turn the dog loose and let him go bust them up again in 30 minutes we've got another game coming because most of the time there's with long beards it's usually four to five uh, the biggest flock of long beards I've ever remember getting into was 18. Wow. Uh, a farmer told me about, we went after one time. That was a lot of fun. They were gobbling and strutting and carrying on coming in. Basically it's just as these dogs are just uh dyslexic bird dog and they've got pointer setter plot hound and they've been line bred since the seventies. Yeah. And uh, how old of a scent typically will those will the dogs pick up i mean they're they're not i've seen some of the dogs pick it up four hours i know it was four hours old but right now our scenting conditions are terrible because we're in a drought and the leaves are all falling one of the flocks of birds we were in the week before last a friend of mine was with me and we were walking and we're just walking blind in an area we never hunted it, but we'd seen a lot of acorns, and uh, we just decided to go in there. And we started walking and turned and went up a hollow there. I told him, I said, uh, "Well, we're we're in the zip code because here's some old scratching." And we went about 50 yards, and the scratching got a little bit fresh. I said, "Well, maybe we're in the area code." About that time, the dogs lit up and turkey started flying. And, it was five o'clock in the afternoon, but we'd done got it down to the 
zip code and the area code, so then we found them. But of course, it gets dark about six thirty, so um, we didn't get to do anything with those birds. But I did see that they were young birds, so that was promising. Yeah, and typically when you set out, how many how many dogs will you take with you on a on a normal hunt? Uh, three, no more than four. Most of the time, what it is is my my hunting partner Sam. He has a couple of the dogs, and I have a bunch of dogs, and we'll take a young dog and two old dogs. Yeah. And um, I've got two puppies that I'm working with now to to hunt and get going, and uh, hopefully by the end of December we'll have them barking and doing. I think they're well on their way. They've been barking some, and uh, I actually last January uh, we were taking them, and they were four four and a half months old and they got feathers in their mouth and they got the idea and they were they were having a big time with them Mm -hmm. Uh, we just got to carry that forward and build on what what the background we've already put into them yeah uh, they'll do good and you know we've got one that she's two years old now and patsy's patsy's coming to her own and she's doing it and i have no problem sending her out by herself if she goes on her own and you know go to the woods if there's a flock of turkeys within her range and her capability she's gonna put them in there yeah that's that's cool you just gotta do your you just gotta do your homework and you know not every set of woods has got a flock of birds but you you just gotta go and prowl around and look and knock on doors and even if you go to the national forest, you ride the roads and find the sign, and then build from that. Go hunting. Right. That's the that's the best thing I can tell you on that. I mean, it's just yeah. going where the birds are. Yeah, I think what I'm what I've got in my head is kind of a a little bit of a mix between bird dog and rabbit dog, and meaning that once they find that trail or once they pick up on that scent, they're following that trail until they get you know that scent starts getting stronger and they get eyes on those birds that's right and they go into them you want them to go into them silent and bark when they're flushing okay i had a dog i had a dog that would sense scent bark and it took us a while to figure her out but once we did you didn't go where sue first started barking you always went to where sue quit barking that's where the gps collars come in okay they would they would tell us we could check we could check up on it because she, I've seen her send them and bark on trail for four, four and five hundred yards. Because that's the that was the plot hound coming out in her. Yeah. And um, but where she would end her barking is where you needed to set up. If you set up where she started her barking, you were going to be four or five hundred yards sometimes off the flush site. You want to be on the flush site as close as you can get to the original flush site because that's where they're going to come back to. Yeah. And um, so the GPS, what it did was you could look at it and you'd see where they'd start cutting circles. Now, what's deceiving there is when you're in longbeards, longbeards don't like to fly. They'll run. Mm-hmm. They'll run. They'll run a quarter of a mile before they'll fly. So the dog has really got to put the pressure on them to get them up in there. And um, so you just you look, start looking for where the dog starts cutting circles and going back to, and that's where you mark on the GPS. But when I first hear my dogs barking, 
I automatically just mark the GPS, and that gets me in the area. And, okay. Uh, go now. Last, let's see, not this past Tuesday, the Tuesday before was when we went, and we got into scratching, 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 and it was fresh and it was old and it was everywhere in the oaks. And we just missed the birds, and we went on out the mountain and went down an area where I usually would find birds and. There was some old sign down there, but nothing fresh. And we circled back up to where we first went to. And, you know, how did, where did we miss these birds? And, and the woods were dry and the water was scarce. So we went to a water source and turned and come off the water source and then went back through an area that we hadn't and hit. And sure enough, that's when we ran into the flock of birds or the dogs did put them up. And that was the afternoon that we got into them we found the birds about one o'clock we turned loose about 11 or about 10 30 that morning yeah and we found them about one and uh but that's what you got to do is i mean you got to you know your hunting area that you're hunting and, you know go back and figure out you got to put the dog where the dog can be successful mm-hmm. and we just take off and, and going and they're cutting circles and to cutting cast and coming back and keep going Okay. Have you ever had a, in all the years you've been doing this, have you ever had a situation where a dog's caught a bird? Yes. Twice. That's crazy. First time was in New York. Well, both times was in New York, actually. Uh, the first time I had old dog, I had a dog named Don and he went in and he busted up a flock of birds. They did a good job and Don stayed gone and stayed gone and stayed gone. Couldn't figure out what was going on. And we were hollering for him and Looked and here he come and he had about a fourteen pound young gobbler in his mouth coming back, mm. and he had he the, you know he hadn't run the bird down. What had happened was after we got after we got the bird back from him, the bird had flown and in flying he broke the tip of his wing on a tree limb or something when he was going flying and yeah. Don just happened to run up on him and caught him. And brought him back to us, and that was the only thing that was wrong with that bird was the very what I call the thumb. If you look at a turkey's wing, it's got bones in it just like your arm, and on out, it's got fingers. Well, it's got a little bone there that Dad used to use on his wing bone calls for a lariat to go through, and yeah. that was broke. And huh. that bird, that tip wouldn't let him get the lift that he needed, being broke. And Don caught him and brought him up there. And we took care of that one for him. And then a year or two later, it was a rainy day, and we were hunting in a bunch of beech trees. And they were little beech saplings about knee-deep, and the dogs had gone up on the ridge and busted turkeys, and we were walking up to them. And I had a little dog named Belle. And she come running back, checking in with me, and she put the brakes on and turned around and went back up the ridge about 20 yards and come running back down and then you've seen that national geographic photo of the red fox jumping up in the air and power diving through the snow yeah to get a mouse well that's what she did but she came up with little jenny hen in her mouth wow and we got that one away from her and turned it loose okay then i had another dog named shot and aggie and they caught a dog and they caught a turkey one time in new york and it was a real, real late hatch. It hadn't even, it, it hadn't gone through its, it was going through a molt and it had gotten wet 
and they brought the turkey back to me and we had hunters out calling trying to harvest a bird and I had a turkey in the truck drying it out <laughs> <laughs> I had the heater going in the truck because my hunter had already killed a turkey that day and we were just along for to help flush birds for them yeah and I had that turkey in there and dried it out and got its all feathers everything and by right at the edge of dark I turned it loose up and it flew up in a tree there and it went on back with its flock. Wow. But uh, they had they had light mouths back then. But I got some dogs now that that wouldn't happen. <laughs> if they caught it, they would eat it. Yeah. <laughs> They're right rough. I got one dog named Freck and another dog named Ella. And if if somebody shoots a turkey, if they want to eat turkey, they better get there before those two do. Oh, wow. Because those two are going to, they're right rough on them. Yeah. So, uh, but. It's bred in them, and they're doing their part. Yeah, definitely. And I would imagine that's a, a huge advantage when the shot does go a little bit awry after you get oh, a yeah. call back in and, you know, you get a, a situation where you have a wounded well, bird. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll run them down and find them for you. That happened last fall, the last day of the season. My friend Sam, he's, we got into a flock of longbeards, and he shot one, and I he said he got it, and I turned around and looked, and I saw a turkey getting up and taking off running. I said, are you sure you got it? He said, yeah, it's laying up there flopping. I said, I saw a turkey take off running. So I turned the dogs loose, and Freck and Pepper and my four-month-old puppy, they went out there and ran that turkey down and caught it. And when we got to it, they were playing tug-of-war. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You could trail it. You didn't have to. You, you could trail it through the woods with the feathers. No, I bet. And it was. It was. It had an inch and a quarter spur and a ten and a half inch beard. So, wow. Uh, Man, it was a good day. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So, talk to me a little bit about weather. And I I know generally a little bit of, of dampness on a bird helps. 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 Make yeah. the thinning. So, yeah, yep. so are you going to try to make it out into the woods by watching the weather forecast and get out there the day or when the rain ends shortly thereafter? Usually wait till the next day. Okay. Because the trees are full of the limbs and the leaves and the bushes are full of water and you get soaking wet. And it's nothing more miserable than sitting there freezing because you're cold. Yeah. And number one and number two, I don't like to hunt in the rain because... The birds don't interact as good because everything's, you can't hear. Yeah. Because the rain dripping down and the drops and everything, and, and there's, everything is under the same handicap, but the predators could be more and the birds won't be as vocal, mm-hmm. in my opinion. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. So I'd rather wait and let the rain, let the woods settle out and dry out a little bit and then go. Yeah. I would imagine the same situation with snow. If you got snow on the ground, it's probably, as long as it's not continuing to snow, you're probably in pretty good shape for... Well, it depends on if the snow has a crust on it. If the snow has a crust on it, I won't take my dogs because I don't want my dog's feet getting torn. And all cut up, yeah. Yep. Now, you know, if, let's say it's the last week and the last day of the season, I'll take the dogs then, but I would prefer not to because they're going through that crust, it you have sword footed dogs for a while. Yeah. It's not good for the dogs. And you don't want to put undue stress on the birds because if it's much snow, 
they can't get to the food. And you just, you know, has being a conservation person, you don't want to put undue stress on on the game. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's something I hadn't thought about, you know, with the condition of the snow and, you know, what, what you're dealing with there, but that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, not saying that you're not a dog person, but you probably don't live in the area where there's a lot of snow and yeah. get snow. And so you've never experienced it. But, um, yeah, snow, it gets a little glaze on it, gets a little crust on it, and that cuts the feet, cuts the back of the leg. Mm-hmm. So uh, the bear hunters really have a big problem with it that run dogs uh, because the dogs, you know, they're going to chase the bear and sometimes the bear will go up a tree pretty quick and sometimes he won't. Sometimes the big bear will stay on the ground and, you know, those dogs are running in that and it cuts their feet up. And that doesn't heal overnight. That doesn't oh, heal yeah. in, a, in a day or two. It takes a week or more for those pads to come back. So, right. Uh, that's why I don't, don't run, run my dogs and, and that kind of now, you know, a two, three inch snow, that's going to be gone here in a day. Yeah. Uh, but a six inch to a foot of snow, you, you're just got to wait. Yeah. So no, that makes sense. Uh, so you've been a big proponent, obviously of, of turkey dogging and working with different people in different States to, to help get it legalized. You know, mm-hmm. especially there in the Northeast. Do you know off the top of your head roughly how many states it's legal in right now? No, I used to know, but I was reading an article in Turkey Call Magazine yesterday. Kansas and Mississippi, well, Mississippi wasn't legal, I don't think, to use dogs, but Kansas was. Right. Uh, they've closed their fall seasons. Yeah. North Carolina had a short fall season for two years and then they shut it down and they're trying to say that that's what they need to do to build the flocks back but i don't particularly agree with that but that's my personal opinion and we won't go there well you say we won't but i i'm gonna talk about it for a little bit you know is i just think that what you said you you and you mentioned virginia specifically you know, there's just so few birds being killed during that time of year that, right. you know, if a state really is concerned about their harvest in the fall, then make your fall turkey season not fall within deer season. True. And, you know, most make states it turkey it. Most states have done it. Most states have done that. Um, yeah. When I was in New York, they they didn't have a overlap turkey fall turkey season with deer season except for bow season and that's not going to be detrimental i've tried getting drawn on turkeys with bows before and i've only been successful once and then i didn't connect so uh as far as getting drawn on one but you know pennsylvania used to be a big advocate for fall turkey hunting and i've forgotten how many they used to kill and how many hunters they had and they had good turkey populations. And they're doing studies now and saying that the West Nile virus has gotten them and this is the something else has gotten them and all. You know, I don't know what's gotten them. They're trying to say they're cyclical. We have a grouse season here in the state of Virginia. And when I was a kid, you could go up on the mountain, you'd see rough grouse all the time. And you'd kill grouse when you was turkey hunting. 
And lots of times I'd come home, I wouldn't come home with turkey, but I'd come home with a limit of grouse. And the limit of grouse was three a day. Yeah. We have we have zero, well, we don't have zero, but we virtually have zero grouse now. They still have a three-day or three-bird limit per day, and it runs from, I think it was October 28th that came in and runs to 1st of February. Wow. And we, we don't have a grouse, we don't have a grouse population. And they say West Nile's causing that. And they say not enough clear cutting and this and habitat change. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm not a, I'm not a biologist, but I do know with the turkeys and probably same with the grouse, you know, they hatch. And if you get bad weather, when the, when the hatch is coming off, that can wipe out your flock of birds. Right. Uh, hypothermia. Uh, the old folks used to say, oh, turkey's so dumb, he looks up and drowns. Well, when he, he wasn't drowning, it was hypothermia was getting him because until he's 10 days old, he doesn't get any feathers. He's just got down on him, and that down gets wet, and then the turkey's dead if yeah. mama can't brood it, and, and that sort of thing. And then farmers have gotten more efficient at putting up their hay and mm-hmm. – the turkeys are nesting in the hay fields now more, and I do more damage to the turkey flock cutting hay than I do honey. Yeah. I, this past spring cutting hay, I killed six hens, ran them through the machine, and I wow. hit uh, I hit nineteen nests. Wow! And destroyed. So you know, I'm cutting three hundred fifty, four hundred acres of hay in the spring, and you take that kind of population out, it's going to have some effect and you do it all over the farmland. You look at what it's, what it's doing. And a lot of farmers, they don't, they don't realize they've done it until after they rake the hay. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. But I, you know, I just don't think that there's a lot of damage being done to the population by fall turkey hunting because so many people are just would rather hunt deer or, yep. you know, I, yep. I hate to even name other game species because really, you know, you look at those and the number of people hunting those have, have died down as well. You know, talk about squirrels and rabbits and mm-hmm. small game uh, people, just yep. not many of them are Don't doing it solely it. anymore. Nope. I mean, look at the dove hunters. We used to, that used to be a big thing. The first of September, everybody shut down and went dove hunting. Nobody goes dove hunting hardly anymore. And there's a few people do, but not like it used to be. Yeah. They just the hunting we have evolved, I guess, away from hunting and there's still a few of us that are that do it and enjoy it and that's great. I hope that the state of Virginia doesn't ever go to the extremes of we're gonna shut down fall turkey season, but we're gonna have a spring turkey season. I actually did a survey for them about six weeks ago and one of the questions was on their survey was how much of the time they broke down the spring turkey season into three segments and how much of the time did you spend spring turkey hunting? And it, the answer has to end up a hundred percent before you could go to the next question. Well, mm. I don't spring, I don't spring gobble hunt. I don't have time. Yeah. I'm, I'm planting corn. I'm getting cows out to pasture. I'm doing stuff. And I just, uh, don't have the discipline to, get up and walk away from working a turkey to come back to go to work. So I just don't even do it. And uh, so I couldn't finish the survey. So I called the game commission and got a hold of the person in charge of the survey and um, 
told him, I said, you know, I tried to do your survey, but I couldn't, I couldn't finish your survey because of this question. He said, what question? And I told him the question and he said, I'll be doggone. He said, we thought we thought of every scenario, but you're the one in the million that we didn't think of that doesn't spring gobbler hunt. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm going to call uh, and get our tech support people to change that question so you can skip it. And he said, I want the email address because it was done with my wife's email because she bought my hunting license on her email thing. Right. They sent her the questionnaire. And uh, we were going to reboot that question, he said, so you can finish the survey. So, And they did, and they changed it and um, gave you the option to skip that question. So nice. I know I'm I know I'm one of the few people that don't do both, but it's just personal preference. If if my dog can't chase him, I don't want to hunt him. Yeah, no, that's understandable. You know, you you put a lot of time, and a lot of effort, and a lot of money, and a lot of love into those dogs, and you know they're they're hunting dogs, but they're family too. So oh yeah, oh, you yeah. know you right, sure they'd be like not wanting to go hunting without your kids and you know know a lot of people like that yeah so yeah makes total sense so it seems like the last time i had you on the show you mentioned that as far as is you're concerned when you go out with the dogs and you're hunting you really are only interested in male turkeys and in long beards long beards yeah so it's the ultimate game it's the ultimate game of chest in the woods. He's He's got all his wits about him. He's not being driven by sex crave, as my father used to say. He's got everything. The, the game is on him, is, is in his court, because you're, you're using his wanting to get back to with another turkey to carry on their fall or winter feeding program and their, their social group. So... Mm-hmm. In the spring, he tells you he tells you where he's at every morning, and then you just have to convince him that you are the love of his life, waiting for him to come on over to. Yeah. And in the fall, it's just purely companionship. Let's get together, and um, it's a one-on-one chess game. Yeah. So you said they might be two hours, four hours, six hours Five getting back hours. together. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you, what percentage of, of bust on gobbler flocks would you say that the day will end on you without them getting back together? It depends on the time of day that you flush them. Yeah. It's all based on if you get into them early enough. If you get into them with four hours of daylight, you will have a bird calling or coming back in before dark. Three hours before dark is questionable whether anything's going to show up or not. Is that usually about when you'll pull the plug on busting up a flock? No, I'll stay. I'll, I'll stay with them until dark. Okay. If if I flush them at three o'clock in the afternoon and dark's five thirty, I'm going to stay there till five thirty. And you're going to be out I, there in the I, morning. No, no, I don't go back in the okay. morning. I don't go. Um, I've got to feed five hundred head of cattle. Gotcha. And they 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 have to be fed. So that day the turkeys win. Don't go back after them that day. Might 
might go back in there a week later and see if I can find them. But I don't don't try to just keep going and and pounding them because you'll make a move. Um, so uh, just write them down and tell them they won that day, and it'll be another day. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it happens to me more often than not in the spring, but it sure is hard. <laughs> yeah. It's hard well, to now, tell spring them that. Different. <laughs> spring is different. I mean, I used to spring gobble hunt, don't get me wrong. But spring it's different. I mean, he's going to be within a certain 400-yard range of where he was. And a lot of times they'll roost in the same tree. I mean, it just depends on where the hens are nesting at around them. And, yeah. But he's going to tell you where he's at. Now, uh, he might not gobble a whole lot because the more the more hens there are, the less gobbling he's got to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I've been told down in south in Alabama and all down there, turkey gobbles, and then he doesn't say anything else the rest of the day because hens come right to him or they're already right with him. So it makes yeah. it tough. Yeah. Well, there's, there's plenty of days like that in Alabama. But, you know, you I, I guess when you grow up hunting them in that kind of condition you just you know it's another it's just a typical day yeah well you learn what to do and each each thing's different yeah it for years i said when there was three of us working the farm here i would spring gobbler hunt some and if i heard turkey gobbling after nine o'clock in the morning i'd quit doing what i was doing i'd go go get after him because by lunchtime or noon that's when our season would be over with for the day Mm -hmm. Uh, you had to come out, but most time by noon, if you heard him gobbling by nine at nine o'clock in the morning, you kill him before noon. Yeah, because he's he's on the hunt, he's looking, he's ready. Yeah, and that's that's when I kill most of mine. I'd say is between definitely between eight and twelve. Yep. So yeah. Well, JT, do you do you have a waiting list for dogs right now? If somebody was interested in yes. getting one from you, okay. Yes. Yep. What does that wait list uh, look like right now? I think I think there's 15 or 16 names on it, mm. and it could be four, five, six years before they'll get filled. Okay. You know, it's, it's not. I don't try to breed a female to see how many puppies I can put out there. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't run a puppy mill. Yeah. I, I'm breeding for. When I need a, I want another set of pups coming along or another pup coming along, then I'll breed a dog and the excess will be uh, sold to whoever is on the list if they still if they still want a dog. And right. I have a lot of repeat. I still I have a lot of repeat people that call, call back and want dogs. So um, I think that's where all the dogs went last year, but one was to repeat people. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So if somebody's interested in getting one, today's the day they need to be on the list. They need to start calling and get on the list. Yeah. And, uh, and unfortunately, I mean, some of the people I've called them and they've, they're, they'll tell me, well, I, I wanted a dog back then, but I've gone through a divorce or my wife doesn't want me to have a dog or I've lost interest or whatever. And, and that's great. At least they're up front. At least the dog's not sitting, will be sitting there. And not being hunted. Um, Absolutely. I want my dog. I want my dogs to go to a home where they're going to be hunted, and not just say I've got a dog because that's not the the reason I'm breeding the dogs for. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, you know, Dad, Dad was 
my father was uh, very adamant about that. He wanted the dogs to go to uh, somebody that was going to hunt them. Um, uh, we had a woman call one time, and she just wanted a dog because she thought the story was great. And Dad said, uh, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, you know, and as as much as he went through to get really that that right combination or the combination that he loved and thought that was the best, you know, that's, right. that's what you want. You want them, you, you created that combination of breeds and, and I know you got on to me last time I said it really, but it's, it's really true. It's pretty much the burn breed, you know? Oh, yeah. yep. But, you know, when you create something like that, you want it to be used for what you made it for. What it was so, created for. Yeah. 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 Yep. So um, makes perfectly good you know, sense. They're not a, they're not a universal dog. I've had several people try to break them to point, and they won't hold, and they they do, and you know they're not. Yes, they've got a lot of bird dog in them, but they're not bird dogs. They're not traditional quail dogs or grouse dogs. They're not. They're not. They're not. They weren't bred and designed to be that kind of dog. They were bred, and they look like a bird dog. Look like a setter. And look like a pointer sometimes, but they're they're bred to flush and bark, and that's what their purpose is. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have there there's breeds out there. The Brittany was a good breed. It's a cross. It's a dual purpose dog. You have some other dogs out there that are dual purpose dogs, and that's great. Mine aren't. Mine are specific breeds. Breed specific to do what they're supposed to do. Uh, you know, I've, I'm working with some cattle dogs now to help me with the cattle, and uh, they're herding dogs, and that's that's what they're bred to do, and that's genetically in them to do it. And all you have to do is develop it. And it's the same thing with my with our bird our turkey dogs. It's bred in them, and all you have to do is expose them and bring it out. Yeah, um, yeah. This this has been fun. Come. What's that? I say, and it will come out of them if you expose them and just do a little bit of yard training, a little bit of blind work and stuff, and then your dog will be where it can stay with you during the call back and everything. There's some folks that they, they take their dogs back to the truck and leave the dog in the truck, and they don't want the dog in the blind. And mm. I think that's punishing the dog because the dog has done everything it's supposed to do, and it needs to be there for the, for the final play. Absolutely. So yeah, but yeah, we 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 want the dogs with us. So yeah, um, yeah, uh, you know, I I would agree with you on that. If I had one, I would I would want that dog there for the entirety of the hunt. Right. You know, it's just like labs. I mean, you know, labs are there for the entire time of your duck hunt. That's they're there to retrieve and do, and then people take them for quail, and they take them for doves, and they take. Because they're great retrievers. Mine's not going to retrieve. Mine's not going to point. He's going to run in and flush and bark, and then he's going to come back. And as they get older and they see the dog bag come out, a lot of them try to get in the bag, help you help you get them in the bag, because they know that's their reward. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, if somebody wants to get on the list to get a, a burned dog, an Appalachian turkey dog, where where do they how can they get in touch with you to do that? They can call me on my cell phone at 540-875-7704. Yeah. 
That's right. the only phone number we have for them anymore. All the landlines have been done away with because of the cell phone capability. Yeah. And, uh, or they can, you know, they can shoot me a text or whatever, but I don't do much texting. I do more phone calling than I do texting because I can talk faster than I can type. <laughs> <laughs> How about Facebook? Are you guys, do you still have uh, your... My wife did some stuff with Facebook at one time, but I think she's let the page go. Okay. I don't, I don't Facebook. Um, I'm technological illiterate. About the time I get my, about the time I get my new cell phone figured out, the contract's up on it or the battery life won't hold. And then I have to get a new one and then I have to reprogram myself to figure it out. Well, I will assure you, you are not alone in that that regard. So, Uh, but you can give a, you can give a five-year-old a phone and they can get going and, do stuff if it jams up they can unlock it and get it going in a heartbeat they can lock you out of it and have bought about a thousand dollars off of uh, of stuff off of amazon before you know what happened (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah that's a that generational thing we'll never we'll never be on the winning side of that one jt nope nope um, well, man, this has been fun. Great if you know what to do with it, and I appreciate yeah. you, Kyle. And, no, uh, man, I, I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate your time and and sharing your knowledge and stories with us. And, yeah, it's always uh, good catching up with you, and I I need to do better about staying in touch with you. So, one thing I will say for those that are trying to hunt long beards is patience is virtue. Just old flat gobbler clucks and yelps. And it will pay off at the end of the day. Uh, it's, it's Sometimes they'll come in silent, but lots of times they'll come in yelping and gobbling and strutting and everything you see in the spring, you'll see in the fall if you get and hunt them enough. Yeah. And uh, it's a, it can be a lot of fun, but it's a lot of a challenge. Uh, and, and, and young turkeys are still a challenge. I mean, you got to deal with the old hen and getting her to, stay away and running her off. If I hear the old hen start calling and trying to group gather a group of young birds and I got somebody that's wanting to kill a turkey and doesn't care, we'll sit down on them and uh, call, start calling. And when she starts her game, we send the dog out. She goes flying off again and we, we reset and ready to start playing again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just because she come and once in a while she'll come in and get them and win and, you tip your hat and say there'll be another day. There you go. So, yeah, fantastic. Well, it's been great having you on again, and great talking to you again. And you know, yes, I, sir. I need to. Uh, when you do put down a long beard this winter, please text me a picture, <laughs> and I'd love to see it, and and love to see the dogs that helped you get that one, because okay. I know there'll be three or four of them with you. So. There'll be two or three anyway. Uh, we're always trying to teach and trying to go and. Uh, We've gotten to where we're hunting with four tens now. So that's how serious we are about killing a turkey. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, they'll flat do it. About the kill. Oh, they will. Yeah. He's got to be within 20, 25 yards. And uh, that's that's part of the game. We're handicapping to her. I would do it, try to do it with a bow, but there's no way I can hold two dogs and uh, try to shoot a bow. So yeah. uh, four, four tens is the closest thing I can get to it. There you go. So, 
Nothing wrong with that. Just, Nothing wrong with making it more challenging. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not about the kill. It's about the experience. Amen. So, uh, Amen. The that kill is, is a, the kill is anticlimactic. Yeah. Well, but like it's, you, it's the inter, it's in the interaction and the the game that's played, and uh, we go from there. It was like you told me before I pressed the record button on the call when you were talking about moose hunting. Oh, the yeah. kill is when the work begins. That's right. That's right. The, the fun's everything leading up to that snap of the trigger. That's right. It's all over in a second with the snap of the trigger. But you mm-hmm. got the you got you got all that time in between to replay and think about till you get to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So fantastic. Uh, well man, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. If I don't see or hear from you before then and you know, he just, like a lot of people, as they get older, as they get more experienced, as they've done more of what they set out to do, the focus shifts a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, the focus is, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I have no doubt in my mind, JT will whack a turkey when that opportunity <laughs> presents itself. But that's not what it's about every single day when he goes out. Yeah. It's about working those dogs and, you know, just the respect he has for those dogs is admirable, you know. And, yeah. And like most people who have hunting dogs, you know, there are a lot of people have hunting dogs and they also become lap dogs. Yeah, and a lot of people, and I know several of them, have hunting dogs, and that's what they are. They are hunting dogs. They are working dogs, and they don't go in the house. They don't, you know, they're not confused with being pets. They're working dogs, but you better believe those same people have the utmost respect for those dogs and, yeah. you know, appreciate what those dogs, the enjoyment that those dogs bring to them but they also know what what enjoyment they bring to those dogs by getting them out there and and hunting them and you know hearing jt talk and and the passion that he has for it is it's awesome i mean it it i remember having him on the show for the first time and i believe it was 2015 that I had him on, it seemed like maybe it was it was in the double digits of episodes, maybe yeah, ninety nine or something like that. And you know, he got me so fired up about it after talking to him and having him on the show. I was like, man, I'm going to do it. And then he started talking about, yeah, we bust up a flock of gobblers. We might sit there for six hours before they even start calling and make the first call. And I was like, mm. <laughs> Six hours. Yeah, maybe maybe this fall hunting's not really for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking different. No, I, 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 it's something I still want to do. It's just a matter of you know making it a priority and getting it done. Yeah, one of those things when uh, you get your goals accomplished that you already have with turkey hunting that'll be on the list maybe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for listeners who aren't familiar with turkey dogging, you probably all heard it a little bit. If you're interested in such a thing, I'd suggest getting online and checking your state regulations on turkey dogging, as many states actually do not allow it at all. 
Yes. So make sure you check on that before you go buy your Appalachian turkey dog because he will have to be a pet otherwise. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and JT will not let that happen. Yes, <laughs> you need to hunt him. Make sure you can hunt them in your state. But it honestly sounds awesome. I have a Labrador retriever who is my best buddy. He stays inside. He is the lap dog variety, but is an absolute monster in the duck woods. And I cannot imagine combining the joy I get of hunting over a dog with turkey hunting would have to be pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So pretty cool. I'm I'm glad you were able to make the interview. Sorry I wasn't able to make it, guys. Yeah. We missed but you. Things happen. So we will we will all reconvene next week with another interview. <laughs> yes indeed. Yes indeed. Well, very cool. So what do you think? You got a different favor of the week this week or you want to run with buy some raffle tickets and let's stick with buy some raffle tickets we're still early on this deal so we'll make the favor of the week go buy at least one raffle ticket between now and next week i always suggest doing one of the packages myself but at least one that's the favor of the week we're putting out a free show with 460 some odd episodes it seems like we think you can buy one raffle ticket you got like a year's worth of content here if you just start listening endlessly during your daylight hours. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do do that, God bless you. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But there's your favor of the week. Buy some raffle tickets. We'll see you guys next week. Hope you enjoyed it. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.